It's Wednesday, September 11th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. A new bill in California aims to help out everyone from your Uber driver to your food delivery guy. We'll connect the dots on what this new bill is supposed to do and why big companies are kind of freaking out about it. Then it's election season. Yes, here, but also in Canada. It started today and it'll all be over next month. Be jealous. And finally, you're invited to a special end of the week event. We'll tell you about it at the end of the show. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story today is about the gig economy. Yesterday, the California State Senate passed a bill that could have a huge impact on whether people working for apps you probably use all the time are treated as contractors or employees. We're talking Uber, Lyft, Postmates, DoorDash. This bill is a big deal for a lot of people. It still has to pass the state assembly and get signed by the governor. But by all accounts, that's going to happen. So today we're going to get into what this bill does, what problem the bill's supporters say it fixes, and how the big companies in the gig economy are fighting back. First up, let's head to the California capital of, pub trivia answer here, it's Sacramento, where this bill just passed in the state Senate. The legislation is a little weedy, but basically, the bill would force a lot of app-based companies to treat the people that work for them, at least in California, as employees instead of contractors. That's an important difference because as contractors, most of those workers don't get all the benefits many people working nine to five jobs often do. Things like minimum wage, sick days, and unemployment insurance. And that's a big deal because drivers, couriers, dog walkers, furniture installers, are all a growing part of the U.S. economy. It's hard to get an exact number of how many people would be affected by this bill, but some estimates say it'll affect more than a million people across California. The reason California lawmakers are getting into this issue has to do with a court ruling. Last year, the California Supreme Court issued a big decision in a case involving some employees of a delivery service. They sued after the company reclassified them as contractors rather than employees. The court devised a simple test to tell if someone was a contractor or a company employee. It involves determining if a worker has the freedom to control how they do their work and whether the job they're doing is something a company just needs help with or if it's part of the company's larger core business. A graphic designer hired by a health startup, for example, would probably pass the test and be considered an independent contractor. But the California Supreme Court said when a delivery service hires drivers, Those are employees, and treating them as contractors amounts to misclassifying their employment, which means the workers are missing out on important workplace protections. The court also cited federal and state reports that found misclassifying workers like this was depriving the government of a lot of tax revenue, tax revenue that employers usually deduct from employee salaries. And that, in turn, could hurt taxpayers who then have to shoulder more of the burden of paying for welfare programs. California lawmakers heard the court's ruling and started writing legislation to fix the problem. That bill is what passed the state Senate last night and is now on the fast track to becoming law. So what are companies likely to be affected here saying about this? First, this means they'll probably have to shell out more money. And analysts say these companies might start passing on costs to consumers. Prices for rides or food deliveries could jump by 20 or 30 percent. Second, Uber and Lyft execs are saying workers could lose the flexibility they like about their jobs, like setting their own hours. 
though some experts say companies can still let workers do that despite this law. And finally, these companies are fighting back by trying to change things at the ballot box. See, there are some exceptions in this California bill for certain types of workers, like commercial fishermen, barbers, or some insurance agents. And a bunch of companies and trade groups who'd be affected by the law want more of those kinds of exceptions. They'd need a statewide ballot measure to do that. Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash alone are pledging $90 million to back this kind of measure. And to be clear, there are people who work in the gig economy who oppose this law. They agree with some of the pricing and flexibility concerns we mentioned, along with some other details that would affect things like store franchises. But one recent study in the U.S. and U.K. found that, bigger picture, gig economy workers really want the benefits that bills like the one in California could give them. In that study, workers said they'd be willing to give up half their hourly wage if it meant having a more stable form of employment, plus the benefits that would come with that. So what's the skim? California's new bill could set off a race across the U.S. to change the terms of employment for millions of Americans in the gig economy. Several other states have been considering similar kinds of laws. And now that California's basically just gone and done it, no holds barred, those bills could be next. Alternatively, states could follow New York City's lead. New York City's kind of splitting the difference, giving some gig economy workers new rights, like a minimum wage, without reclassifying them. Lindsay Cameron is an assistant professor of management at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, where she studies the future of work. She doesn't know what will happen state by state, but she thinks the campaign to pass the California law has set an important precedent, and she hopes it'll make people think twice when their delivery order shows up. People so often think that organizing and, and unionizing is dead or not like a viable way to make change anymore. And I mean, we're seeing in this case that change is happening. And I would just, I think it's a big question of what does it mean to be an ethical consumer of gig work? Late this afternoon, an attorney for Uber said the new California law won't apply to their company because the work the company's drivers do is outside the usual course of Uber's business. They call themselves a technology platform. So safe to say this thing in California is shaping up to become a bigger fight. The U.S. election is more than a year away, but election season is basically in full swing. Meanwhile, our neighbors up north do not have time for that. Election season in Canada begins today, and in six weeks, it'll be over, just like that. So how will that work? First, we have to remember that Canada still operates as a constitutional monarchy under the UK. That means that Canada's head of state is Queen Elizabeth, but the government is run by the prime minister in parliament. So today, Canada's prime minister, Justin Trudeau, kicked off Canada's election season by asking the Queen's rep in Canada to dissolve the country's parliament, which is basically the bat signal that it's time to go home and run for office again. This morning, to get the ball rolling, Trudeau made a pitch for his Liberal Party. We've done a lot together these past four years, but the truth is, we're just getting started. So Canadians have an important choice to make. Will we go back to the failed policies of the past, or will we continue to move forward? Candidates have been informally campaigning all summer, but now the campaign season really kicks into high gear. They've got 40 days to make their case to voters, before Election Day on October 21st, short and sweet. 
Since Canada has a parliament, voters won't actually cast a ballot for who they want to be prime minister. They vote for their individual member of parliament, and then the leader of whichever party wins the majority of seats, they get to be prime minister. Trudeau is hoping his party wins again and that he can hold on to that primo spot. But he's facing some pressure. Back in February, Trudeau and some senior officials in his government came under fire. The country's attorney general, Jody Wilson-Raybould, said she was inappropriately pressured by government officials to settle out of court with a big engineering firm that had been charged with bribery and corruption. That engineering firm is based in Trudeau's home province. Wilson-Raybould says she was subjected to veiled threats and later demoted. A couple of Trudeau's people resigned from government during that scandal. And last month, the government's ethics watchdog said Trudeau himself actually broke conflict of interest laws. Trudeau hasn't apologized, but support for his liberal party over the last few months has dropped. Now people are keeping an eye on Trudeau's opponent, a guy named Andrew Scheer, the leader of the Conservative Party. They're the next biggest party in Parliament. Scheer has been leading them since 2017, but he's been in Parliament since 2004. He's pitching himself as a moderate, but he's come under criticism for opposing same-sex marriage in the past. The polls are virtually tied right now between liberals and conservatives. If neither party gets an outright majority, they'll have to scramble to form a coalition with some of the smaller parties to decide who gets control. May the odds be ever in your favor. Today is the 18th anniversary of the September 11th terrorist attacks, which killed 2,996 people. This morning, there were memorial events across the country, including at the Pentagon and near Shanksville, Pennsylvania, the sites of two of the attacks. At Ground Zero in New York, where the Twin Towers once stood, victims' loved ones read the names of those who lost their lives that day. And for the first time, every public school in the state of New York was required to hold a moment of silence to mark the anniversary. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo signed that law on Monday, and it's meant to encourage dialogue and education in the classroom, which is important because most kids in school today weren't even alive when the attacks took place. Standards for teaching 9-11 vary state by state. While major textbooks do talk about it, there are no national guidelines for teachers on how to approach it in the classroom. And so educators across the country are trying different ways to teach kids about 9-11 and how it shaped the country today, while also being sensitive about a really difficult subject matter. A new survey this month showed that the most popular method teachers use is to show a documentary about the tragedy. Another way educators teach kids about 9-11 is by sharing their own personal experience of what it was like that day 18 years ago. Before we go today, we want to give you a heads up about something happening on Friday. Almost two years ago, New York Times journalists Jody Cantor and Megan Tuohy published a blockbuster report detailing allegations of sexual misconduct against Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein. Since the report came out, Weinstein has been charged with sexual assault and faces trial in January. He's pleaded not guilty. But in the months and years since that New York Times report, 
we've seen more allegations of sexual harassment and misconduct against hundreds of people in positions of power. Cantor and Tui won a Pulitzer for their reporting. And yesterday, they came out with a new book. It's called She Said, Breaking the Sexual Harassment Story That Helped Ignite a Movement. And they'll be at Skim HQ on Friday to talk about it with Carly and Danielle. If you want to come, we've got a link to the event page in our show notes. If you can't make it, but have a question you'd like to ask Cantor and Tui, leave us a voicemail at 646-461-6370. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to add the Skim to your morning routine, you can sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. 